0: Life is a series of opportunities that build on themselves, and it's just been my approach to, to pursue those as they came up. Uh, you know, we've got a fairly broad interest level, and, and that's how things have worked.
1: Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. The podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor.
2: Welcome, folks, to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. I hope you're doing awesome today. My guest is Michael Yinger, who is the COO and co-founder of ResumeSiv. Michael, what's happening today?
0: You know, it's a lovely day in the
2: Carolinas. Happy to be talking to you, Anthony. Me too. I'm, I am I took a look at your software. I'm so curious about it. But what stood out to me most was like your body of work over, I want to say 20 plus years. I don't know how much plus yeah. it is. <laughs> uh, and, and how I assert that all of it has built to this place where you said there's a big opportunity and problem in the market and I think I can fix it but why don't you tell our listeners about some of the organizations you've worked with some of the cool stuff that you've done in your career and then I'll we'll jump into it
0: yeah it's it, interesting you should you should put, frame it that way because it's certainly the way I think about it i I'm in the probably the third major career over my life it, you know you' You know, people who've done the same thing or been with the same company their whole lives. I have gone where opportunity has taken me. So I I spent many years in transportation, and then I was in consulting. And now, for the last couple of decades, I've been in talent acquisition. And through a series of progressive roles, that's what led me to the point. Uh, as a result of COVID, thank you very much. Sometimes you need a boot, and that's what COVID did to me. It gave me a little boot to get out and, and uh, be willing to... Uh, try something a little different, which was to work on a startup. and it has been an interesting experience over the last couple of years and learning experience uh, doing things I'd never done before. you know you think after 35, 40 years of working that you've you've done everything in your life, but that's just not true. It, it's amazing the new things that you can be presented with and and that's positive. It, it you know gives you a chance to grow and and be uh, be productive. So I've, I've had a good time over the last couple of years.
2: Got it. So in the previous roles that you had. So I say Aon Hewitt, Randstad, People Scout, you know, a couple, couple other kind of name brands, you know, what were some of the big lessons that you learned or problems that you needed to solve in your role? Because it looks to me like the implementation technology piece, but also in the people space. But then you've also done a lot of stuff in service delivery. So what are kind of the <laughs> key le- like in those multiple careers, what are those lessons that you've learned that you'd like to share with our leaders today? well
0: you know the, the the one that there was a, a change in my career about 18 months into people Scout uh, I was at Aon Hewitt just before people Scout I was in charge of global client delivery and so that meant I would is servicing clients at 17 accounts and 650 people that were supporting those accounts and then I went over to people Scout I was doing basically the same thing and then the CEO came to me and said you know what I'd like you to run sales hmm. and I said really? I've never done that before, uh, never been in a sales role, never owned sales. And she said, all the things that you've done, all the, the, the conversations that you have, I think you could run sales. And so that's what I did for the last two and a half years that I was at People Scout was uh, uh, global sales. What that says to me is that the, the experiences that you get, build towards you having the capability of of answering that call. My kids come to me, I, my older kids come to me and say, oh, you know, should I do this? And I said, well, you know, is it is it new? Are you going to learn something from it? And that's the way I've approached these opportunities. It's, you know, when I made the transition from, from transportation, uh, where I was literally, I was in charge of logistics for a shipping company. So it just shows you the early part of my career. And I went from that into technology consulting, because I had a penchant for technology. And so I paid attention to how technology worked and opportunity came up and they said, would you like to come do this? And so suddenly I'm leading engagements around building websites and and, uh, adding technology to companies that where before I had been worried about where's the container? (laughs) Where's the train? Is the ship going to dock on time? So Life is a series of opportunities that build on themselves, and it's just been my approach to to pursue those as they came up. Uh, you know, we've got a fairly broad interest level, and and that's how things have worked. And it certainly led me to where I was at PeopleScout, and and the experience I had at PeopleScout managing different, different functions all at the same time really led me to being part of uh, Resume Civ, where when i when I first joined, they asked me, I, I was hired in as the CEO. They asked me to come in and run the company, and i've I've taken a slightly different role lately. And the idea was, you know not only did I have the industry experience, but I had done all these other things. I'd had sales, I'd had implementation. I'd been in charge of product. and and it was a chance to bring all that together. and that's what that's what my career has been, looking for ways to plug in those experiences and put them to use.
2: So if we take just the most recent experience and the balance between leading sales and leading service delivery, what are the similarities in terms of strategy and leadership and leading people? And what are the differences? Are you, do you find that the experiences are more or less the same, just a different hat, Or is there significant considerations that shaped how you approached your, your day-to-day that were different?
0: I find them to be very similar. Uh, it, it, this, this is something that particularly grew out of my consulting experience. Um, I was an internal consultant for many years at, at a transportation company, and that's what led me into external consulting. The, the kind of things that are the same are how you manage your people, how you keep track of your work, the use of metrics. Now, there may be different metrics, don't get me wrong. And one of the things that I recognized when I came into, particularly, in, I was in the outsource space in in talent acquisition, right? Those are very much like consulting engagements. It's a project, there's a product, there's uh, a revenue flow, there's a PL that goes along with it. It's, it's recognizing those patterns and being open to using the skills that you've all already got versus, well, thinking, well, this is completely different. So I've got to be learning something completely different. I've never approached life that way. It's, it's, this is how I see this is similar <laughs> and, and, and try to make use of what I've already done, what I've already learned and to put that in place. And that just, it means being a little more open in your mind about how you approach an opportunity and a willingness to take on something that you, you might say, well, this doesn't look like me. Well, you know, if again, Sales and service delivery. It's managing your people. It's managing your numbers. It's focusing on the customer. You're just at a different point in the life cycle. It's still th- those basic tenets are the same. And if you can, you know, if you can make those kind of connections, then it gives you a lot of flexibility to be able to move around and do different things. It, yeah. uh, it opens up some avenues to that might not otherwise be available. I mean, who would think? You know, I was I was leading client delivery, and all of a sudden, I'm leading sales. Well, it's because I was open to the possibility and I could see how to apply myself in a different way.
2: Yeah. And I think like we talk a lot about innovation. We interview a lot of people, innovation. We don't talk to so many young leaders and new leaders. And so in my experience, I've tried to get like compound interest on learning, do a bunch of stuff so that I can take what I like, leave the rest and build a body of work. What I hear about your success, especially in this kind of third stage of your career, is being open is the key. Being able to take what you can take and learn from it, but also build a foundation that helps you grow and develop, not just as a cog in the machine, but as a person who's living life and having these experiences, that your ability to be open and to leverage what you know and not kind of put yourself into a box has made it possible for you to, as you mentioned earlier, live a lot of places, but have a lot of experiences. But at the heart of that, foundationally, it's leading people, it's managing projects or portfolios, and tracking performance is just, you know, where you fit in the whole process or life cycle of the particular organization you're at. But fundamentally, you know you're leading people no matter where you're at and you're using your body of experience knowledge and work to to drive that forward is that fair to say oh
0: it's that's absolutely it you know there's there's another element to what you said that that occurs to me as you were as you were going through that there've been a couple of times in my career where because of circumstances I've had to perhaps what people might consider take a step back so for example in 2002 when the tech bubble burst, I was in technology consulting. I was I was head of client delivery for a uh, consulting firm that that specialized in, in technology, primarily for web companies. And so I was out the door. I got to lay myself off because I, I was the head of head of operations. And the CEO said, "By the way, put your own name on the list, and we'll see you later." Okay, great. That was a, that was a fun experience. And so I went out and started my own company. What I was doing was project management. You know, I had had 250 people reporting to me who were on any number of different projects, right? But I just went back to running projects as a a solo contributor and built up a small business. and, And eventually my biggest client hired me and that started my path through the talent acquisition space. There are times when life will present you interesting challenges and are you open to being creative, and, you know, doing the work that's necessary to continue to move forward. Giving up wasn't an option. You know, I had a house and a wife and two dogs and two kids and cats. And you know, giving up isn't, isn't an option. It's find another way to make things move forward. And so that's what I did. And it, it's, again, it, it paid off for me. And I've, I've been, uh, I think, you know, I've been happy for it, as a matter of fact.
2: Yeah, it definitely highlights that resiliency and saying, hey, like, you don't know how long the journey is going to go and you never know where it's going to turn out, but you, you know, just got to keep, just keep swimming. So a fun question I like to ask is what is a moment in your career? And you highlighted one where you totally got your butt kicked. Like you learned a really good lesson. You're like, Ooh, I won't do that again, but it would, you know that lesson that could be shared with our listeners today that they can take on and, and build on their careers. Anything like that come to mind, other than having to fire yourself?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's an experience that not many people will will likely have. You know, one thing, my management style, the way I tend to be, is very open. I tend to. Some might say overcommunicate, but I I want my people to know what's going on, even if it's it you know it's not fully baked, if it's just something that's still in the works. And there have been a couple of times where I know I've I've stepped over too far, I've told them too much, you know. And at one time, I it actually ended up somebody you know, leaving because of it. And that's that's the wrong, you know, that's not what I was trying to do. I was just wanted to make sure everybody, you know, sort of understood where we we're going and where we might go, right? It's, it, you know, the more you know, the more effective you can be. So it's, it, there's a balance when it comes to communication. You know, I think people that people follow, which is really what a leader is, right? A leader is somebody that people will follow are good communicators, and if you're not effectively communicating with your people, then they're going to be looking for somewhere else for their inspiration and maybe even leaving because they don't find what they like with you. And it's, it, you know, again, it's, it's a balance. It hasn't changed me. You know, the, 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 at the time, I it didn't feel good, but it hasn't changed how I've been from a communication perspective. Because I just I think that's the way to deal with people is to be as open as you can. So that they understand really what they're what they're dealing with, because you know, at, at one point I had a, a couple of people working for me, and uh, I won't describe much about the circumstances, other than that that they worked in a cube together, but back to back, and they would email each other rather than talk, and you know, it's you, you just you can't exist, you can't get anything done. It was malicious obedience. That's the way I characterize the way these two people worked. They did exactly what they were told exactly when they were told to do it nothing more nothing less but nothing more uh, how are you gonna how are you gonna get that that sort of extra that comes from synergy I had I had one CEO when I, w- I was involved in an a operation and, and the CEO said in a you know in a chit chat moment during the the management presentation that the way he judged whether or not this was a good deal was one plus one equals three. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, you got to give people the space to to go beyond and effectively grow with you. I mean, you touched on innovation. That's where innovation comes from, right? If people have not only empowerment, but also enough understanding of what's going on to be able to think about creative s- solutions to whatever it is, right? There's there another way to do it. There's another piece of software you could use. Maybe there's a different client that you could talk to. If, if, if people don't understand beyond just, do this job on a day-to-day basis. Well, you don't get that. You don't get that extra bit that comes out of of, uh, a good, well-run organization.
2: Yeah, absolutely. One of the things I was Googling today, I was doing some search engine research, SEO research, which is, anyway, trying to find more queries about what people were trying to figure out in terms of leadership capacity. So as part of our programs, we have implementation programs where we do our strategic planning but then we also try to layer in the capacity for leadership to work together, to exactly create that one plus one equals three, not just, hey, I'm doing my work in my silo, but how can we collaborate? How can we stay aligned? How can we, you know, work together? So my question to you is: in your tenure in these organizations, and you obviously have large teams, what are you know two or three things that you put in place to support? development, not just at the top, but within that kind of like middle manager or like key leader, like they might not necessarily have the title, but you knew that those were high impact players and you wanted to get the most out of them. If you have any stories and anecdotes without kind of giving away any secret sauce.
0: Yeah, no, I was happy to give away that secret sauce. There there are a couple of things that come to mind with that. The first is you want to encourage people to look beyond their day-to-day job to take some time and do some self-development. And it, and I mean, quite frankly, I, have been in situations where, you know, in conversation with a person, they really wanted to be a chef. Hmm. Great. Why are you working here? You're not going to get to be a chef working here. If, if that's what you really want to do, I will support you in how do you achieve that and make that transition. The other thing that that I do consciously, and I, and it's, it's often difficult for organizations to deal with, you know, you've, you've heard the expression square peg in a round hole, right? What people don't often think about is they think, well, that means that somebody doesn't fit, right? Well, but think about what happens when you shove a square peg into a round hole. Well, the peg gets hurt, but so does the hole, right? Mm-hmm. And so organizations that think about only people who fit you, you start to lose that opportunity. And so another thing that I have done consciously is, is I've often, within the parameters of what I was doing, created a job that was really unique to the person who was doing it because they just brought something to the table that made them valuable and allowed them to contribute. And yeah, it may mean that that we had to reorganize a little bit or we had to you know shuffle some things around but it's it the idea that you can only have certain things that fit, that's that's tough for organizations to deal with, especially today, where true talent is is so hard to find, you know, when you got such a mismatch between uh, jobs and job seekers, right? Where there's so many more jobs than there are job seekers. and and it's even worse, when you consider that a lot of the jobs that are available are flipping hamburgers and how many people are really looking to flip hamburgers. I'm using that as a metaphor, of course, because, but you know, I I was talking to a CEO the other day, he posted a COO job part-time for a startup with very little funding. He got 1,000 applicants. So, you know, you gotta be creative. How are you you gonna get through 1,000 applicants for one thing, but you know, what are you looking for? How's somebody gonna fit in into that kind of an organization, there's always times of opportunity. And I think we're in a great time of opportunity if you if you're willing to to stretch yourself, and you know. So it's not only it's not only up to the leader. That's that's the other thing that that's critical, right? I I spent a little bit of time. It doesn't really show up on my resume, but I spent a little bit of time selling insurance mm. for one of those kind of companies, right? I was in between things, and again, doing nothing is not an answer. So I was selling insurance. And one of the things that that I took away from that experience is there's only one person who cares at all about your career. You look at them every day in the mirror, right? Maybe your spouse, maybe your spouse too. <laughs> so we'll, you know, we'll say that. And if you've got one, your dog It probably cares. It, it's blow, right? But you gotta own that. You gotta own the fact that you're the one who's in charge of your career. And so that means, you know, thinking about how how can I add some value or, you know, it's not just up to the boss although i made it my business to help people expand themselves it's also what can i do to make myself more valuable it's one thing for me to say look you can have time and let's talk about how much to do some self development well you still have then you have to go do it right it's not just enough for, for me to say i will support you in doing that you got to go do that work and so that's, so there's a give and take in that kind of thing. It, it, irrespective of what the leader wants to do, the person still has a role in what's going on in their career.
2: Yeah. So I, I, like that was quite a bit of stuff. So to take that back is as good leaders want to get the most out of their people, making sure that you figure out both the talent that you need, and not just like the role that you need, because you can find great people that will adapt to the talent. And so my next question is, you know, how do you sort through that, which is probably a good segue into what you're doing now, but really like being adaptive because the talent piece, I think those X factor pieces is when you yep. can really maximize the benefit of the person. And I don't say like exploit because you could interpret it that way, but really saying, hey, you've got these skills and attributes, you've got a special set of skills that we use. I was thinking the other day, I'm like, well, like why am I good at what I do? And I was like, like when I was younger, I fundraised like, fundraise. Like I sold chocolates, I sold flowers, I sold that stuff to like raise money for other people. But I'm like, damn, like I got pretty good at asking people for stuff and asking people for money, but you won't find that on my resume, but it's buried deep in that in terms of what I can bring to the table. So what I heard, and I believe one of the reasons you've been successful is because you allow people to bring the most of themselves to the table because you're willing to look at that versus, Hey, I just need somebody to do the job. And it sounds like that was one of the keys to you being a good manager, a good leader and, and how you yeah. got to where you are now. Yeah.
0: I think that's that you, you've, you've done a good job of synthesizing that Anthony. Thank you.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you made it easy. So put a posting out. I know some people aren't as lucky where they don't have people that apply in the flip. Side is they've got a gajillion applicants and, and how do you sort that out? So maybe we can plug your company a little bit. Tell me about Resume Civ. Tell me why it's important for people and, and what do you see the future of talent being?
0: Sure. Okay. There's some, there's some good questions there. Resume Civ today is a, we, we've got the tool today that's part of our long-term platform strategy. The tool today allows the, the recruiting professional, and in in the U.S. anyway, 50% of the jobs are filled by an HR generalist, not by a recruiter. So the, these are people whose job it, is not full-time recruiting. So what's the one thing you can do for these people? Give them some time back. And so one of the, the most time-consuming portions of the recruitment lifecycle is resume evaluation. Now you see the stats, people only spent eight seconds on a resume. I'm sorry, I, I get that. What and, and what that means is they're not really doing a good job evaluating the resume because in eight seconds, maybe you get the name and the city and the company they work for today, but you sure don't get into the nuance of how long did they work there? What did they do? For, you know, What kind of work were they doing? What kind of skills do they have that, that brought to bear? So Resume Civ allows you to take the resume, as it sounds, bring it into the system and then evaluate it against your criteria and then we return it with a score so there's rank ordered mm. now what then comes next is then you can do some what ifing let's you know so you've got 100 resumes you put them in and they come out in the order they come out in you say you know what if i decided that i i really don't need somebody with a college degree let me take the college degree criteria out and now let me resort them all virtually instantaneously. Nothing is instantaneous, but it's pretty fast. You know, and a very common problem is you go to your hiring manager and you say, okay, here are the five people I found. And the hiring manager says, you know, but what if, and then you're then you're stuck because then you have to go back and look at those other resumes that you looked at before because probably the five don't have it, which is why the hiring manager asked the one-if question. With the sieve, all of that is is fully automated so that you can more effectively evaluate. What's going on now? It operates on a standalone basis if if that's the way you do your recruiting, or we're integrated with four of the large ATS applicant tracking systems iSIMS, Greenhouse, Bullhorn, and, and Zoho, and others to come, but those are the ones we're integrated with now. So you can actually take your job and take your resumes out of the ATS. Automatically and then put them into the sieve and do your evaluation. Because the, the nice thing, uh, the, what nice for us, those systems don't have good good ways of of evaluating. It's still up to the user to evaluate. So whether you got a hundred resumes on the screen or you got a hundred resumes on a stack on your desk, either way, you're going to spend some time effectively evaluating them. And by the way, if you actually evaluate a hundred resumes, honestly. Are you looking at number fifty-nine the same way you looked at number one? I challenge you that that's just not possible. Yeah. And and by the way, you got two resumes. This one is chronological. This one is project oriented. Well, how do you uh, how do you evaluate between the two of those without spending a lot of time digging into the the comparison? So again, this this is the, the point behind the uh, resume sieve is to really streamline the evaluation and, and ranking of the resume, which by and large, there are some tools that talk about it. A lot of them rely on AI. We have an AI component, but our AI component really helps read the resume because these resumes are all different, right? It's how do you pull apart and, and come to with a consistent set of information about each resume, that's what our AI does. So it's not skewing the analysis of the, the resume itself. Um, It's pretty exciting stuff that that we're working on, I think.
2: That's awesome. Well, one other thing, I think it's a very cool, having hired two people on our team, shout out to Arnold Melma, what's up guys, that that, that I think is very cool about that. And I'm going to take for our listener, for you, the listener, Michael's experience over 20 plus years of having to sort through that and to have to develop talent. Of course, some people show up. And what I think is really cool about the tool, not having known really a lot about it prior to today, is the intent behind it. The intent is to try to balance the playing field to be able to say, hey, here's what we're really looking for, to try to remove as much subjectivity as possible so that candidates have probably a more balanced playing field so long as they're meeting the requirements that are set out, which I think from a candidate perspective, it would probably begin to limit people who just apply for any and all jobs that happen because they're already going to get filtered out. And try to really customize those resumes, even in a competitive market, to be able to put yourself forward, but then also allows the hiring manager to be able to say, hey, you know, here's what I'm really looking for. And here's kind of the secondary capabilities. So I'm not limited by X decision criteria and potential snap judgments, which I hope will help bring diversity to teams, because then you say, yes, we got the skills, but then, hey, let's measure them on their extra things that are beyond the job, which is exactly that body of work that we talked about. So that's a cool thing. I'm really excited for what it could do for the industry, what it could do for people. And yeah, that's awesome. Anything else you want to share?
0: I, hey, I, I just appreciate the, t- the chance to be in the conversation. I think that there's a there are a lot of opportunities out there and you just hit on one that, that I have talked about from time to time with other folks. It's, you gotta consider each job uniquely. If if all you're doing is seeing the job and throwing the same resume against it, then you're going to get the same result, which you got from the last one that you did. Companies want to know that you're considering what it is that they're asking for and whether or not you actually have it before you say, I can do that job. You know, you may think I can do this job, but if if the one thing that represents you, your resume or the application that you fill out, doesn't demonstrate that you can do that job, then you're not likely to be taken seriously. So it's, you know, people have asked me, well, how do you beat the machine? Well, it's not really beating the machine. It's making sure that you actually demonstrate that you've got what the company is asking for. because that's the that's the first gate you gotta get through. If you can't get through that gate, then, it, then you won't be able to talk about all the other stuff.
2: Yeah. So th- th-
0: think about that as you search for a job.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's just a game, folks. You just got to know how you're being scored and then you play the game, which is the same thing as going back to what we talked about. Hey, you know, the KPIs, whether it's a sales game, a service game, a marketing game, a people game, it's just all a game. You just got to know the rules. You got to know the score and you got to play to win. So yeah, Michael, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Uh, Where can people connect? Where can they learn more about Resume Civ? Uh, Where can they learn more about the awesome artwork you have in your office?
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) ResumeSiv.com on the web. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. I'm Michael at ResumeSiv.com. Easy to get me by email. I'm also on LinkedIn, Mike Inger and Facebook. Um, Feel free to connect and uh, we can have a conversation.
2: Fantastic. Michael, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here today. I just really enjoyed our chat. Thanks for bringing all of your experience to the table today.
0: Thanks for the opportunity, Anthony. It's, it's been a good conversation.
2: Well, my pleasure. So, folks, uh, my challenge for you today is to take a longer view on your career forward and then also take a view backwards and to say, hey, what are those intangibles? And to challenge yourself to say, hey, what is that next opportunity and how can I bring what I do have to the table, even if it's not necessarily explicitly there right away? make sure you do the minimum. You got to let people know what you can do. So I appreciate you watching today. I hope this helps you in your career, whatever level you're at, your first, second, third, or other career. And I just appreciate you listening. I appreciate you watching. I appreciate you being here. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now, everyone.
1: Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. We post twice a week so you can count on us for your weekly source of content to help you grow and expand as a leader. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please consider giving us a review. We read every single one, and it helps us make a better show for you, the listener. Also, it helps more people find the show, which means we can help as many people as possible. We appreciate you listening and following along, and we hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And as Anthony says, until next time.